Now, I had prepared my sermon, and then this morning I got up early and really felt God say something different. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you know it's a good thing to bring your Bible. If you have your Bibles on your smartphone or on your tablet or wherever, if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, if you do have it on your phone, please make sure you're on silent. Um, God does speak, but rarely through the mobile phone. So we're looking at chapter 3, and I'm just going to walk us through that this morning. Starting at verse 1, it says, My child, the actual Greek is my son, but in our politically correct, we're not allowed to say that these days. And because it applies to men and women, it says, my child, which I'm okay about. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will have many years and your life will be satisfying. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you want a long and satisfying life? Is there anybody here that wants a long and satisfying life? Okay, about 50 of us. The rest of you, I can do your funerals next week if you would like that to come quick. But isn't it interesting, the things that people look after, they want a long and satisfying life. And the answer here is quite simple. You need to store God's commands in your heart. Now, I need to, to, to stop for a moment because the word heart appears here in verse uh, 1. It appears again in verse um, 3 and then again in verse 5. The heart is the center of who you are. Every decision that you make issues out of your heart. Now, the Bible has a few things to say about the heart. It says the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, we like to think our hearts are good. They're not. I read a, a tweet many years ago online that said that somebody believed that human beings really are in general very good. I nearly tweeted back and said, you're obviously reading a very different set of news than I am. Uh, I mentioned this before, I've, I've subscribed to Birmingham Live. I don't know if anybody knows, Birmingham Live gives you up-to-date news in the Birmingham area. You would not believe how many people get killed or murdered uh, every week in Birmingham. I tell you, I'm moving. But the heart is the center of who we are, and out of our heart we make decisions. Yeah, We make decisions from our heart. There was a, a story given uh, many years ago. I can't remember who gave it, so pardon me if I'm plagiarizing here. But the story goes like this. that A young lad is going for a walk with his grandfather, and he's saying to his grandfather, Grandfather, in me, there is part of me that wants to do good, and there is part of me that wants to do bad. Which part's going to win? And the grandfather turns around to him and says, well, whichever one you feed most. And the point to this is that your heart, out of which you make your decisions, out of which flow, your heart is going to be dependent upon what you feed it. 
And if you want a long and satisfying life, you need to feed it with God's word, God's commands, what God tells you. You need to pray. You need to feed it the right stuff. The thing is, the world will give you the opportunity to feed it the wrong stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed when I sit with my children and you put the TV on. Even PG isn't safe. There is so much stuff on there that is politically motivated, that is trying to instill values that are absolutely wrong. And if you feed your heart those things, then out of your heart will come something that you will not like. So number one this morning, if you want a long and satisfying life, then in your heart you need to store God's command. And you'll hear me say this like a broken record, you need to be reading this every day. When I was younger, I made a covenant with God, I would not go to bed without reading at least one verse from the Bible. Now I'm not saying you need to be legalistic within it. There should be a desire to do so. We're not legalistic with our eating, are we? But we need to be intentional about storing God's word in our heart because if we don't do that, we will begin to store something else. Another thing that I heard many moons ago was that if you are not in control of how you spend your time, you will find a million people who will be. You need to set what you are going to do. Verse 2 says, yep, we've read that. If you do this, you'll have many uh, years and your life will be satisfying. And then verse 3, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Here's the heart again. Write them deep. Loyalty and kindness. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people. And you will earn a good reputation. Here's another question. How many of you want favor and a good reputation with God and man? Well, I do. How do we do that? Two simple things, loyalty and kindness. Have you ever thought about that? Loyalty and kindness. One of the things I read somewhere, tomorrow we, we get the unveiling of our new prime minister. I'm sure you're all very excited. Our new prime minister is unveiled tomorrow, but one of the things I've heard in this race of prime ministers is that one of them, not the woman, one of them got worse ratings because he was seen as being disloyal. You know, people value loyalty. Loyalty has a lot going for it, and loyalty with kindness is amazing. You see, kindness is one of those things that we kind of think, oh yeah, that's it. Kindness is not that easy. Did you know that kindness is when you overlook an offence? I go back because this is my particular weakness when I'm driving the car. And somebody does something that you think, well, that's not right. And kindness jumps in and says, well, that's okay. That's kindness. 
And loyalty means that we will fulfill every promise and every word that we have made. We're going to stick with it. Loyalty means we will not backbite and gossip about those that we are connected to. We shouldn't be doing it about anyone, but we will not do it because we will bring loyalty. And, and here we have really clearly in the teaching of Solomon that if we do this, then we will have favor with God and with people. Wow, I find that amazing. Verse 5. Now, verse 5 and 6 are two of my most favorite verses in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Remember, here's the heart again. Trust in the Lord with all of who you are. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now this morning I purposefully picked up the NLT, which is a New Living Translation, because I really like the way that they express this. In the NIV it says, he will make your paths straight. But what does that actually mean? That God will make your path straight? You kind of think, well, what does that mean? Does that mean it's easy? But here it says, he will show you which path you are to take. Now, I don't know about you, but every morning I get up and every week I ask myself, well, I've got a number of options here. Which path do I take? You ever ask that question? If you're at school, well, what GCSEs should I do? If you're looking for a job, well, what job should I do? If you're at home, which chores should I volunteer for? I mean, these are important things, aren't they? My son is shaking his head. You know, we walk a path in our life. Um, C.S. Lewis said this, that every decision you make has either one of two effects. Firstly, it either makes you more an angel of heaven or it makes you more a devil of hell. For him, there was no middle ground. When you make a decision, and the way you can't look at it, if you look at a path that you're walking along, and then you come to a split in the road, if you keep following the splits, they can lead you in a completely different direction. And the thing is, Satan is really cunning in that he doesn't tell you the opposite. He just gets you to go one degree out. Uh, a few of us, we went for a walk up Clent Hills yesterday. Thanks for that, Sam, by the way. That was really good. And when you get to the top of Clent Hills, there is this kind of brass thing that shows you the direction where everything is. And somebody made the comment, because we, we were looking at it with a compass, and it wasn't quite, you know, the north they showed and the north on the compass were a bit different. And we said, yeah, you get kind of 700 miles that way and you'll be quite a way out. And that's how our life can be with a path that we take. Let me tell you, I'm old enough to know friends and to know people who, when they were younger, took a path that was just a fraction different from mine. And now 30, 40 years later, they are way, way away. We've got to be really careful about the decisions that we make in terms of the paths that we take. And we're told here, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then it says this, do not depend 
on your own understanding. What does it mean not to depend on your own understanding? Another translation says, do not lean on your own understanding. Does anybody know what leaning is? James, can you just on this? Actually, you can come up here, Mo. James, I want you. To, I want you to demonstrate leaning. Okay, if you come here, you can lean on me, because I'm your dad. So James is going to demonstrate leaning. So lean. Okay. Now watch what happens when what he's leaning on moves. Yeah. Thank you. Well done. Round of applause for James. You can go sit down. But see, that's the idea. We lean, not on our own understanding, but we lean on God. If God moves, we fall, but God doesn't move. But if we lean on our own understanding, if we put all our weight on it, let me tell you, we will fall. And it says here, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Are you unsure? Pray. I have yet to be in a position where God does not answer prayer in some measure. Sometimes we only notice the answer years on. Sometimes it's immediate. I have a very simple prayer when it comes to changes of direction in my life. I say to God, I want one single open door. I don't want two. I don't want a choice. I want one open door that God wants me to go through. But it is one of the most important things. And I would say to you young people, you guys on the front row here, make sure that all of your decisions are ones that you've asked God about and said, should I be doing this? Well done, see? Alexander, top of the class. Well done. We ask God because he will not steer us wrong. If you ask people, when I went, when I was 18, 19, I felt God call me into ministry. And I can't explain to you how God did it, but I remember waking up one June morning and in my mind was this reoccurring phrase that said, Simon, it is time to go. And it put an urgency in me and I didn't know about what. And God opened up a door for me to join a Christian ministry. At the time, i just finished training as a design engineer. My future in engineering looked really good. I had a well-paid job. I bought a house with a friend. It was all really good. And when I asked people about God telling me to give it all up and live by faith financially and follow God, most of them said, you are crazy. And those were just the Christian friends. But the thing is, the path that I have taken led me to my wonderful wife, which was in India, to my wonderful children, occasionally, I know, my wonderful children. It's led me here, it's led me to wherever God has taken me. And I tell you, I would not change a single part of that pathway. Has it been easy? No, it's not. Sorry, it hasn't been. God's path is not often the easiest path, but it is the best path and it is a good path. And we're told in the New Testament that wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to life. As we were walking in Clent Hills, we had to go through a very narrow path. 
There were kind of holly hedges here, and there was a wall here, and you were kind of, you know, if you're a big lad, you had problems. Watch what you're leaning on and what you're trusting on and make sure you pray about every path, every decision you make, you filter it through God. We move on. There's a couple of things to mention here. It says, do not be impressed with your own wisdom. You know, that's a really good thing. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Wow. Do I want healing for my body yet? Do I want strength for my bones yet? Well, how do I get that? Well, I get that by fearing the Lord and turning from evil. I get that by not being impressed with my own wisdom. You know, it's quite easy when you have a problem to go online and search on Google or Bing or whatever your search engine is and try and find wisdom. But here it's the fear of God and turning away from evil. What will that do? It will bring healing into your body. It will bring strength into your bones. What does it mean, strength to your bones? You know, when you need inward strength. You ever have that? You kind of think, man, you know. You, you know, I can't explain it to you, but I know the feeling. The feeling when you're inside bankrupt and there is fear all around and you need somebody to come and strengthen you inwardly. This is what we're talking about here. Strength for your bones, that inner strength. And God gives that. I can testify to many, many, many situations that I've been in where God has given me strength in my inmost being when I've been most fearful. Brings health. Fifth point. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Do you want to have plenty? Anybody want to have plenty? Okay, three of us, the rest of you, it's okay. We don't mind, we'll take the plenty. If you want to have plenty, number one is you honor the Lord with your wealth. How do we do that? And it says, with the best part of everything you produce. My wife and I, and even before we got married, I know from her family, we've always had a policy that 10% goes to God, full stop. No discussion. We have a standing order set up, and we ensure and that if our money doesn't kind of quite work easily at 10%, we round it up. And that's just our tithe, and on top of that is where the offering goes. Now, we've had some really tight financial situations where the tithe would have come in very handy. But you know what? God has always brought us through. We've seen miraculous provision of finance. We've seen miraculous provision of other stuff. And God has blessed us as we've gone on. My family, we are blessed with the provision of God. But those things come 
when we honor God with our finance. And there's, there's been discussion many years over, should I tithe, shouldn't I tithe? And, and somebody's argued and said, well, tithing was part of the Old Testament. It's not part of the New Testament. Well, if you agree with that, then I would argue that in the New Testament, it says everything belongs to God. So the choice is this, give 10% or give 100% or give something in between, but you can't give less because the New Testament and the Old Testament say that's not honoring God. And I know some of you will be thinking, well, well, how will I manage? You know, in our Bible study, we had this long discussion about the widow's might. As Jesus was watching people coming into the temple and the money box was there and these rich people came and out of their wealth they put in a lot of money and then this widow comes and she puts in two copper coins and it says she put in everything she had to live on and, and it bothered me. Why did Jesus say she gave more than anybody else? Why didn't he say, well, she was irresponsible, she should have kept it, she needed that, that was God's provision for her? No, no, he honoured her and said she has given more to God. Because there is an assumption that God is no man's debtor and he will provide for what you need. Now, for some of you who financially have never ever seen God do a miracle, the first time is the best time, but it's also the most challenging time. I've probably told you this story, so if I have, I'm sorry if you've heard it before. But when I was 19, I went into full-time ministry. I had a bit of money. Um, it was financed by faith. I had to trust God. And, and then came the day when I ran out of toothpaste had no money. And we were in a ministry where it wasn't kind of you go around and tell everybody your need because that's cheating. You tell God your need and he will tell whoever it is needs to do it. And so I said, Lord, I've got no toothpaste. I need toothpaste. And toothpaste isn't something you can wait a month for, is it? So in the morning I left my room I lived in a, a, a kind of uh, dorm thing. I had room, left, went out, did my works and stuff today, came back, and by my door, at the bottom, there lay one tube of Colgate toothpaste. And it was nothing in some ways, but you should have seen how elated I was. I went, wow, it actually works. One tube of toothpaste. I want to tell you, provision comes through honoring God with your finances. Now, I, I don't talk much about money. I keep being told by people, other church leaders, Simon, you need to talk more about money. People won't give money if you don't talk about it. I don't talk about money because I don't like talking about money. But if I were to talk to you about money for a moment, I would say it is a dangerous thing. Firstly, having a lot of money has the potential to drawing your heart away from God. If you read Proverbs, King Agur said this. He said, God, don't make me rich, otherwise I will forget you. And don't make me poor, otherwise I will steal and dishonor you. Just give me enough. And I like that prayer. 
But the whole deal with money is this, that it's got to be something you can give to God. If God tells you to give something away, you need to be able to do it. It is a test of what your heart is attached to. And you know what? God can tell you to give away things you really like. But when you give it away, it breaks the hold that it has on you. And that's the whole thing with tithing, that when you say, I'm going to give that to God, you break the hold that money has on you. And the other thing it does, it frees you up from fear. I have no fear and I have no fear about my finances in the future because I know categorically that we honour God with our finances and he will never ever leave us or forsake us and he will honour us with provision. That's how we live. And let me tell you, we're not wealthy, we don't own a house, we're, we're rented and blah, blah, blah. I've not had a... Um, a job from 92 to 2010, there's a whole question with pensions, all those things that could really disturb me, but actually, I honour God, he will honour me. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't tithe, I would strongly encourage you to tithe, and if you want to, have a little chat with Alan, he can help you set up a standing order, tithe. I know uh, another church leader that has a 10-point plan to getting everybody to tithe. It's a brilliant plan, 10-point plan. And the plan goes like this. Week number one, tithe 1%. Week number two, tithe 2%. I hope you can see where this is going. Week number three, tithe 3%. It's 10 points because after 10 weeks, you are tithing 10%. Now, you might want to do that in months. First month, I'll just put 1%. You test God in terms of provision and see what he will do. Verse 11. We're going to finish with this one. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Well, this one is very simply understanding tough times. Because we are believers in Christ doesn't mean that we don't get any discipline. If you are a parent, it would be crazy for a child to come to you and say, well, because I'm your child, you're obviously not going to discipline me because you just love me. No, you discipline them all the more because they're yours. What is discipline? Well, discipline is when God tests us with things. Discipline is when God says, you know, I need to teach you something. You know, we talk to God and we say, you know, Lord, I want the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, thank you for asking that. Let me ask you a question. How do you think you will grow in kindness unless God puts you in positions where you need to be kind? How will you grow in patience unless your work colleague really annoys the living daylights out of you? How do we learn to love unless God puts us in a position where we need to love people? And so what God does is he disciplines us because that discipline produces in us fruit. You know, it's really simple. You see it just about anywhere. 
athletes discipline themselves, their coaches discipline them. We're not talking just about a punishment, we're talking about a discipline that leads to life. One of the things that I really dislike doing, but it has great fruit in my life, is fasting. If you want to control what you eat, learn to fast. That's the most quickest way to learn to control what you eat by fasting. What amazes me is there is a massive buzz been going around the last year in the, in the whole sporting health world uh, talking about the value of fasting. Did you know fasting is extremely good for your body? But I tell you what, fasting will really test how much you like chocolate digestive biscuits. They're sitting in the cupboard. Ooh, I'm a bit pickish. And so God wants to discipline us to learn those things. We need to do it with our kids. We need to get them to do their homework. Kids, how many of you love doing your homework? Put your hand up if you really love doing Well, two there. Front row. Okay, there's another one there. Most children don't like doing homework. It's a discipline. But when they start to get into that, it produces a fruit within them that is useful for their whole life and for the future. Have you seen a child that has never, ever been disciplined? Yep, Ben says, yep. I tell you, it is not a pleasant thing. And, and, and here's the thing. A child who hasn't been disciplined, it's not the child's fault that the way the child is, it's those who had responsibility to train the child in the way it should go. And so God looks at us and he says, hey Simon, you need a bit of humility and I'm going to do this. You need a bit more love, I'm going to do that. You need a bit more patience, so James is going to you know, help you there. You know, God loves us. Time's gone on, so I'm, I'm going to finish and we're going to have a, a song to finish in and the offering. But I just want to say to you this morning that everything we look for in life is already in God. It's about our connection and activity with him. And I want to encourage you this week, out of all the things you do, spend time with God. This is going to be another broken record you'll hear. The, the thing that I long for all of you is that you become people of prayer. And by that, I don't mean that you're talking at God, but that you're able to sit there and say, I'm here, Lord, and his presence comes into your room. And that takes some discipline. I find the hardest activity in my life is prayer. And I'm, I'm not on about, I can sit down and pray about things for an hour, no problem. But I'm on about sitting with God and saying, Lord, I'm here. What do you want me to do? What do you want to say to me? Having a notebook and, 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 and pen there and saying, Lord, I'm listening. That's how Samuel started. I'm your servant. I'm listening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness that your word brings into our life. And Father, I want to pray that you would help us. Help us, Father, in these, in many ways, simple things, but the trust that you want us to have in you. And I want to pray for each one this morning. I pray that this week, with your finances, that you'd be able to trust God, that you would become a tither. 
that with the discipline of God that you would submit to it and allow him to refine your character. But also that you would trust him in the confidence knowing he will provide for you, he will care for you, he will walk with you and he will strengthen you. And so Lord we thank you and we bless you because you are good and what you do is good. In Jesus name. Amen.